Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Attention Talk Radio is brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight, ADHD medications, history and insights. Uh, We're going to get to the content in a moment. Before we do, we'd like to thank children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder for bringing this program to you. In celebration of that event, we're anxious to give away free digital copies of Attention Magazine. To get yours, just listen to our show. We'll be sharing a secret word a couple times. Write it down. Listen to another show um, and write down the secret word of that show and then just email me the two words. That's all you need to do. Email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com. When we get it, we'll forward it to Chad. We'll get you a PDF copy of the current edition of Attention Magazine, and they'll send you a PDF copy of the next edition when it's in print. We have a little tip that we're going to share with you that Chad made, and we'll get into the show. When you have ADHD, putting in an eight-hour workday while maintaining maximum concentration can be a challenge. Here are some strategies to help. Make your physical environment less distracting. Use your laptop, smartphone, or alarm to track appointments and deadlines. Break up long tasks into shorter ones. Take breaks and walk around. Before you leave work, take five minutes to organize your work area for the next day. To learn more about workplace issues, visit chad.org. Thank you so much, Chad, for your continued support. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage all of our listeners to either donate or become members to support Chad. Financial stability is really important for them to have the resources to have people lobbying uh, on Capitol Hill for the ADHD community and working with different regulatory agencies on wording to make sure that uh, those with ADHD get the accommodations that they need in order to thrive. Again, for more information, to donate or to uh, become a member, go to chadd.org. Uh, again, tonight, um, we got uh, Dr. John Bailey. Um, I've been waiting for him for years to get him on the show. He's been a very busy man, recently retired. Uh, I think when you listen to this show, you'll know why I patiently waited to bring him on. We hope to do some more shows because it's exceptionally articulate. So let's uh, let's run the tape. We're here with Dr. John Bailey, Jr., who's the Dean of ADHD Treatment Physicians in Alabama. In 1995, he founded the state's first specialty clinic for ADHD, the Center for Attention and Learning. Since then, Dr. Bailey's practice expanded uh, to four states across the Gulf Coast and to many uh, conditions associated with ADHD. He lectured and educated uh, uh, patients, physicians uh, nearby and nationally. Uh, He's a graduate of the University of Alabama and got his medical degree there. He's board certified in family medicine and began specializing in ADHD and related conditions at a time when there were only four ADHD clinics in the South. Uh, Since then, he's treated uh, nearly 4,000 people with ADHD from age 4 to age 22. I have to tell you, everybody, I reached out to Dr. Bailey um, some time ago because he's exceptionally articulate and um, just patiently waited my turn. And upon his retirement, we finally found time to have him come on the show. And I'm I'm absolutely delighted to have him come on to talk about uh, ADHD, uh, the history of, of the medications and some of the basics, uh, because he's really good at articulating things. And with that, uh, Dr. Bailey, welcome to the show. 
Hey, Jeff. Thank you for asking me on. I appreciate it. Good to uh, semi-see you again. <laughs> um, with every really good physician, we're here to help provide some information, and we need to be really careful what we're doing. Uh, we're going to talk a, a lot about ADHD meds, but uh, talk to us about, give us the kind of caveat here, because we want to be careful. We're helping educate you, but we're not uh, providing treatment or prescription. So, Dr. Uh, Bailey, can you just kind of go through our little caveat so we can get into the show? Yeah, just caveat, you know, is an old Latin word for cover your butt, uh, yours, mine, whatever. Uh, we're talking about general education, not even general medical education today. Uh, everything I say is not going to be gospel. It won't be everything you would need to know to treat the condition. Uh, not everything I say has had ideal scientific study. Not every statement has received any study sometimes. Uh, some of its observation, uh, your mileage may vary. I'm not trying to uh, establish a standard of care. And I'm really not endorsing or condemning any product. I may say some good things about a product. I may say another one, uh, uh, something negative. I may use uh, uh, brand names at times because of my audience's familiarity, not necessarily because of a recommendation. Uh, and particularly the, the ages and the dosages and the frequencies and the durations that I may discuss with you, you may ask me about, they're not going to conform to the FDA and manufacturer's product information. So, so don't rely on what I say without going through your position. It, it has to be uh, a mutual decision of the risks and the pros and cons, but it, it comes down to the patient and their physician, not a radio uh, interview. Uh, and thank you for that. I, it's it's important. Uh, one thing that I always like to have experts uh, like Dr. Bailey on come and talk about because when it comes to this stuff, education is key. The more you know as a consumer, the better questions that you can ask and really get to the end that you're speaking of with your uh, with your physician. So with that, let's begin. Uh, I think it's kind of fascinating. Can you tell us the story of ADHD medications and specifically when stimulants first uh, were kind of discovered to help those with ADHD? That's really interesting set set of story. Um, chemistry was a I was a chemist in college. Chemistry was a, a, a big deal even in the Middle Ages. I don't go back that far, but but our pharmacological chemistry advanced really rapidly in the late 1800s and the early 1900s, and it really advanced faster than the science of medicine. Medicine didn't get very modern in the United States until the 20s or so. What we had were, were drugs and chemicals that were invented that were in search of diseases. And, and we were, back then we were describing conditions very clearly. We didn't know what they were. You know, those old words, she has the vapors, he had the dropsy. Uh, the problem is a, a weak constitution, malaise, or he's intemperate. Or it's, uh, there's a condition that must be a thing called postoperative depression, and we need to come up with a drug for that. Uh, grumpy, phlegmatic. So a lot of these chemicals were being uh, discovered in the late 1800s. Uh, in, um, in 1887, amphetamine uh, was synthesized in Germany. Um, let me tell you the story of old girl. We, we need something positive in, in the United States after the stories of this week. Uh, there's a sweet little girl named Emma Pendleton Bradley. She was born in, in Connecticut, Jeff, in, in 1880. She did fine until 87. She got encephalitis. She never recovered. She died 20, at age 27, uh, never really having improved any. Uh, her parents were rich. Her father worked with Alexander Graham Bell. He uh, brought doctors into the home for 20 years. And so 
she, she never got any better. They created a hospital as her legacy in uh, Providence, Rhode Island in, in 1930, 31 or so. They hired a, a guy that was her cousin for the medical director, really the first child psychiatrist, scientific child psychiatrist in the United States. There were no other hospitals like this. And he started doing studies on kids. And mm -hmm. back then, uh, all you did before, you just sat down and talked to people in you know, a couch and all that. And I guess you used a small couch for kids or you used a bigger stick. I don't know what you used. <laughs> but common psychiatric practice, that was what the practice was. And he said, what's going on here? And they didn't have CT scans. They didn't have MRI scans. They had an EEG, and they had the X-ray. And you get an X-ray on the head, and you see a big surround bone, and you don't see the brain. So you couldn't get your hands uh, literally or figuratively around what's going on with these people who didn't do what they, the rest of the world did or didn't do it real well. So he started doing, doing something called a pneumoencephalogram, and it's, it's pretty, pretty rough as much as it sounds. So you take a, do a spinal tap, and you squirt air up the spinal cord, and it rises up, and it outlines the brain. And then you take an X-ray, and you see the brain. Problem is, it hurts like H-E-L-L. It's, wow. it's bad. Wow is right. And they don't do that very much anymore. I've only had one patient who's ever had that in 40 years of doctoring. And so these kids that, that he was not trying to torture but was trying to figure out something to help the world, uh, they wound up with these terrible headaches. And for some reason, he thought that this amphetamine compound that I said was invented in Germany in 1887 might take away their headaches. It might make more water to fill around the brain or something. Well, they didn't do that. Well, what happened, this was a hospital, and these were it was a long-term hospital, so these kids were staying there, and they had doctors and nurses and, and nannies, and they also had teachers, and this was very progressive for the 30s, especially for the only hospital for children in the world, and they sent them to class. And the teachers got the nurses and the doctors in the hall and said, uh, the people that you're giving this headache medicine to, they are listening in class. They are learning. They are asking questions. They are even coming to the teachers and saying, can I have my pill? They call them their arithmetic pills. Can I have my arithmetic pill? Can you believe this? And, and, and this is in a time when these kids were minimal brain dysfunction, minimal brain damage. Yep. They thought these children couldn't sit still because they had brain damage, and they were being yep. given a medication changing their learning for the first time in the world. My goodness. So maybe it wasn't brain damage after all. Maybe all of us with our ADHD aren't brain damaged. What a wonderful thought that would be. So in 1937, uh, this Dr. Bradley published this. Uh, it, was, uh, it came out just before the war. Uh, it got lost in the literature. Uh, in fact, I saw it online. Uh, first publication of this 1937 paper was in 2006 online. Yeah, uh, wow. it was on it was in paper before then, but the first it got in electrons just in the last decade or so. Uh, and and um, what he found was, he said, to see a single daily dose of this provide a greater improvement in school performance than the combined efforts of a staff working in the world's most favorable setting would be all but demoralizing to these teachers had, had not the improvement been so gratifying from a practical viewpoint. So uh, this, this is where we went. Uh, the paper got uh, hidden. Uh, people started looking at it in 1958, uh, 59, or so forth. The chemical that was used, dex, dexedrine, dextroamphetamine, in 1940 and during the war, 
uh, was you, the British used 12 million dosages of that in the, uh, in the war. The Americans used 18 million dosages of that. So afterwards, there was sort of a marketing explosion, but as I said, it was for things that were vaguely labeled uh, the depressions, the sluggishness, the, the grumpiness, the irritability, and so forth. And, and, and some of these people would wake up, but it wasn't considered for use. There wasn't any ADHD, so they weren't treating ADHD. Um, the first time-release um, dexedrine or time-release ADHD med came out. It was a dexedrine spansu in the 70s. Uh, Obitrol, who's heard of Obitrol? Can you imagine what O-B-E-T-R-O-L was supposed to control? It was an <laughs> obesity medication. Uh-huh. It, was, uh, it was methamphetamine and, um, and uh, amphetamine together. Uh, they reformulated that in 1994 and sold it to a small drug company called Richwood who renamed it Adderall. So with that, with the methamphetamine out of it, and with the, the formula revised for uh, for dexedrine and dexamphetamine salts, and then along came Adderall. You know, do you ever hear why where Adderall supposedly got its name? It treats uh, all people with ADD. Adderall. Really. That's what that's and, where the marketing name came from. The company told me back, you know, twenty so years ago. Um, they never used it as a slogan because you know there's the FDA yep. doesn't treat all, but uh, yep. but it was it was somebody should have gotten paid for that back in the marketing department. Uh, the same company, <laughs> of course, came up with with Vivance. Do you know? Do you ever hear where Vivance reportedly got its name? Who, who uh, was, uh, who, who, who was uh, Lucy Ricardo's uh, girlfriend? Ethel Mertz, well, what was her name? Yep. Vivian Vance. So she was Vi Vance. The company kind of smirks when you ask them that, but they won't deny it. So that's, that's, there's a couple uh, there. Uh, so wow. we wound up with uh, Vi Vance in, in 07. We, we wound up with Procentra and Vi Vance and Evecchio and Zenzadi and Diana Vell XR and Ed Zenis and the latest one, My Day, is all through 2017. Uh, and, and that doesn't even touch with the methylphenidate, which is, has its own story. So I tell you, we need to we need to pause here and kind of go for a break. So let me just kind of recap this because I think this is this is the first time I've really heard this kind of comprehensive. So in a weird kind of way, um, it was discovered that it had an impact in school as a means. They thought originally it was just to reduce headache, and all of a sudden it became the arithmetic pill, and kind of the rest is history. Um, it, it was as simple uh, a discovery as that. Is that. That's fascinating to me. That's it. That's what happened. Well done. Wow. <laughs> well, I tell you what, let's go to break and come back. Everybody, um, again, I think you know why I had him on. He's, he's great with these stories. It really gives a lot of background. This is, again, this is uh, uh, Dr. John Bailey. He is retired. Um, he's, uh, I guess, enjoying himself. If you're listening to the show and for any reason you'd like to contact him to have him come in and do a talk or a presentation or a lecture somewhere, reach out to us at attention at attentiontalkradio.com and we'll get you in contact with them. Uh, but, um, but uh, oh, also really quick, our, uh, our secret word for today is uh, drug um, for those um, that are tracking this to get your attention magazine. Again, the secret word is drug. And with that, we'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. 
Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by gigcoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with the uh, uh, Dr. John Bailey, Jr., who uh, is a... very articulate and very experienced after working with over 4,000 people with ADHD before the break. He's given us a great history of uh, really kind of how uh, stimulants kind of came about and, and a lot of nuances. A lot of that, Dr. Bale, I haven't really kind of heard before. Um, so moving forward, there's so much to cover. Um, I guess what makes the most sense to talk about the, all the different kinds of drugs that are approved at this point? Um, what do you think? Well, let me just briefly, since we're going to go into the other stimulant, methylphenidate, let yep. me tell you where that came from, and we won't, it yep. won't take as long. Uh, okay. uh, methylphenidate, uh, we're all called Ritalin, uh, early 20th century got synthesized, uh, a, a related chemical, and during the war, this gentleman that was a Sibagaygi chemist, uh, an Italian gentleman named Leandro Tanizon, I guess, uh, built methyl alpha phenyl 2 tipridine acetate. So he had, a, he had to make a shorter name for that. It wasn't, didn't sell real well. So they called it methylphenidate. It's an abbreviation for that. And back then, it wasn't quite as organized in the American uh, pharmaceutical industry. Uh, you know, now we have to the test to get approval from the scientific uh, uh, groups at the colleges to, to use it on dogs or rats or uh, certainly humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, this gentleman decided he would use it on his wife first, uh, Marguerite. And she had a condition that we would call dysautonomia now. And dysautonomia means that when you, instead of exercising and your blood pressure goes up, it goes down. And she couldn't play her tennis when that happened. So, so he said, let's try this stuff. I think it's going to work on that. And, and lo and behold, it did. She could play her tennis as long as she wanted to play. And he decided he would, uh, that it was a product that he should push forward to the company. Uh, and he needed a name for it. And his name, wife's name, Marguerite, well, he called her Rita, and so he created a compound called Ritaline, R-I-T-A-L-I-N-E, and they took the E off the end of it and made it Ritalin, and that's where we heard off. So that's wow. where that came from in 1944, and it passed the FDA in '55, and it started to be sold for uh, clinical use, uh, depression, fatigue, lethargy, spirits, outlook, performance. Notice we didn't use the word ADHD then, not even normal brain dysfunction. Um, over over sedation, post-op, and so forth. We had a lot of usages then, and then we started to get the longer time release medicines like Concerta and Little in LA and Spokane XR and the patches and so forth as the, you know, the 21st century came along. Wow, that's fascinating. Again, this is great information. I didn't necessarily know this, but this is kind of cracking me up. This is uh, good stuff. So, okay. Thank you. Um, Thank you. <laughs> Thank God, Rita. 
Okay, so with that, let's talk. So we have the stimulant medications. Uh, there's different types of. Just give us the landscape of all the different ones, and, uh, and just kind of walk us through it. All right. Well, we have non-prescription uh, drugs. We have herbals and nutraceuticals and nootropics and homeopathics and dietary supplements. And I get questions about all these, but I would cut to the chase on that and just say what I say in a speech. No rigid placebo-controlled scientific study has ever shown a useful and statistically valid benefit from any such agent. If you can find it, please let me know. So, so those are the non-prescription medications. Uh, we have okay. prescription medications, and, and uh, those are divided up into those that are FDA-approved and those that aren't. And people ask about the ones that are not uh, approved, uh, about the miscellaneous ones to use as, let's go to this, can we try this, can we try that? And those are the medicines like uh, were invented for narcolepsy, uh, alertness, provigil, new vigil. The appetite suppressants, fentermine, and, and uh, that's what Adipex is, has uh, been a particularly useful medication, not approved, but it works mm -hmm. for ADHD pretty well. It's probably the best of all of those, I would think. Uh, some of the anti-Parkinsonian medications, Symmetrel, Amantadine, uh, uh, Dr. Hallowell tried that, as I recall, years ago, and nothing really ever came of it much. Uh, the, the ones that are uh, pushed a lot are the antidepressants, particularly Wellbutrin, Effexor, Cymbalta, maybe some of the old tricyclics. Uh, there's a confusion here. And, Jeff, one of the reasons that it's said so often and referred to that these uh, meds work for ADHD, which they don't, uh, and in Bailey's humble opinion, is that depression, what are the symptoms of depression? Are there problems with concentration and memory and focus and motivation and interest, right? Yeah. What are the symptoms yep. of ADHD? Yep. Problems with interest, motivation, focus, memory, and concentration. So you get, you get ADHD, you catch your ADHD somehow, probably from sex at birth, and, and then you end <laughs> up with, well, it's what happens, yeah? And, and you wind up with, it's harder to live with it. Just it is. That's where the depression comes from, how twice as hard, half as far. And, and you wind up with these problems with, due to your depression. So you get treated with an antidepressant, and you get better, and either A, you see you didn't have ADHD at all, or the, these meds really work for your ADHD. I know you brought me this article, and it lists the symptoms of ADHD, and see, we fixed a whole lot of them with it, and I guess you still have some depression left, but let's hang in there, go get some counseling, and, um, and we'll get you better. And that's where it gets confused that the antidepressants work on ADHD, but in my opinion, they don't. So, so you're left with what is prescribable uh, that is yep. indicated for ADHD, and so we're down to six medications. And you can focus on those six medications, and you divide those up. So you're left mm -hmm. with three stimulants and three non-stimulants. It's, it's clearly with a blackboard or a smart board or a PowerPoint presentation. Um, yep. There's Stratera, which is a dopamine reuptake inhibitor combined with norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors. We're talking about neurotransmitter molecules, and we have two of what we call alpha agonists. I always call that that's such a catchy name, alpha agonists. Yep. <laughs> very hard to explain what they do. Very hard to understand what they do. Uh, those that's uh, guanfacine and clonidine. 
and, and then we have our three stimulants that are oral keys, uh, the two that we've talked about historically there, methylphenidate and, and amphetamine, and all the different brands there are, but there were two drugs as such. Yep. And then we have um, methamphetamine, which is actually approved for use in treatment of ADHD. Uh, all sorts of arguments, pros and cons about that. Not many pros, at least in the were spoken of, have used uh, methamphetamine twice in 4,000 patients and nothing else would do uh, with a long talk. They were actually both children, believe it or not. Uh, and we had a long talk with the parents, and they were going to be thrown out of kindergarten, first and second grade. And they'd been thrown out three and four times. They got put on those mm-hmm. medications very carefully, watched them along, and then got transferred as they matured. They lived happily ever after, and I hope they uh, had been to college by now. Uh, wow. But the other 3,998 patients were treated. They were treated with students, were treated uh, with uh, those other two medications, methylphenidate or some form of uh, amphetamine. There's the okay. there's the run uh, there's the, the universe of uh, ADHD treatment medications. I tell you what, this is a good stopping point for us to go to our second break. Um, everyone, again, you you already know why I had him on. He's spectacular. Uh, if uh, he is retired, he's joining life right now. If you have any interest in reaching out for him for a presentation or a lecture or some type of convention, please contact us at attention at attention talk radio and we'll get you in contact with him. And with that, we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to attention talk radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is attention talk radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? (laughs) Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay. Do it today. And now... Back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We are here with the Dr. John Bailey, Jr. We're having a conversation about uh, really ADHD and discovery of medications that can help. And then we've just gotten a good education on the landscape of uh, both non-approved medications and approved medications. And uh, don't have a whole lot of time left. Uh, That's why we have to have you back, Dr. Bailey. But uh, stimulant medications, there's a lot of conversations about that. I'd like to talk about that a little bit. So first... One, I'd like to give you a, a synopsis of what a stimulant medications are, and another issue that I'd like to talk about is their effectiveness. I think there's a lot of confusion. I know that's a probably we probably should de- dedicate a whole show to that. But can you just talk about what it is, and let's talk about a little bit of the effectiveness, and we'll go from there. 
Sure, Jeff. Uh, when I tried to make a lecture about stimulus years ago, I went and looked through the web and looked through the book, and, and I could not find a decent diagnosis uh, definition of a stimulant. And so like any good ADHD, I just made one up. And so what <laughs> I have come up with, and I, yeah, it works. Works for me. Works for you too, doesn't it? Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, a, a stimulant, one which causes a temporary arousal of central nervous system activity, and results in an increase in. I'm give you half a dozen things here: alertness, wakefulness, consciousness, awareness, stimulus recognition, noticing there's a car just crossing your lane, noticing the stop mm-hmm. sign, noticing the fact there's a <laughs> your paper is due tomorrow in class. Uh, mm-hmm. A sense of well-being, mood, energy, interest, and motivation. You, you can argue about what some of these things mean, like my wife and I argue about what consciousness and awareness mean all the time, but uh, these are all good things. There's not a thing on that list that, doesn't, that is not an advantage to a human being as they go through their lives. So a stimulant yep. revs up and increases increases uh, and arouses the central nervous system activity, and those are the results. That, I, I love that. Um, it's funny because I was I was used to do some presentations on boredom, and it was interesting to me, uh, Dr. Bailey, up until I think it was uh, 2013, the, the scientists couldn't come up with a unified definition of what boredom was. While it's a ubiquitous experience and everybody knew what it was, they couldn't agree on a definition. So um, I like what you put together there. So I'm um, glad you said that. that. Let, let me throw this in, Jeff. I, I mean, ADHD, yep. in my definition, you want a definition of ADHD, it is a running away from boredom. <laughs> that is all ADHD well, is, is the running away from boredom. And so, you know, it's interesting because there's different kinds of boredom in my research. And, and one, those with ADHD are, are susceptible to what's called agitated boredom. And I ran across a definition of that that I think you'll like. It's the physical discomfort where one is motivated to escape the plight. In other words, they're so physically uncomfortable, they're going to do whatever they can to get comfortable. And it's funny, Dr. Bailey, because I describe that to many people that I coach, and they really can I- identify. Many of them say, I'm, I, I, physical, I have this anxiety, and I'm kind of pacing around. And I have a, a lot of times I'll deal with a parent or a spouse, and I'll say, have you ever thought about a time when you were really, 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 really cold? I mean really cold, like five below. And did you ever do something like break into a, a building or do something that you shouldn't have? And it's been interesting how many of them have. I said – that's you're so physically uncomfortable you're going to do anything you can to get comfortable and so i I, i'm sharing that because it's the running away from boredom the that that i just kind of mirrors it and it's 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 fun because i talk about that a lot what i'm doing so uh kudos um okay so let's just talk about the effectiveness of stimulant medications because i think there's a lot of confusion out there and I really want to do some more shows because I think getting the right dose in the right amount at the right time is, is somewhat complex, and I think it clouds a lot of people's thought process out there about the effectiveness of stimulants. But just talk about its effectiveness, and we'll go from there. To me, stimulant medication, I, I think Hallowell uses the term the gold standard of ADHD treatment. It's not for everyone, uh, but they work better than anything else that's out there. It is time Mm -hmm. to quit apologizing for stimulants. Not everybody needs them. Not everybody can take them. But if you can take them and your doctor knows how to use them and you are are in a situation where you can get the feedback and get in contact with a physician and get it adjusted, they will last forever 
and they will work very, very wonderfully. It's more likely that your lifestyle and your life will change and make them become unnecessary. I mean, you may you may be promoted and get a great secretary and not need your medication, but yep. that hasn't changed your neurons inside. You may get a great coach, you know. Um, yep. You may start listening to Attention Talk Radio and, and learn all sorts of things. <laughs> but, the, but that the uh, that's the gold standard of ADHD treatment is the stimulus. So, but the, but one of the things I think is really important that I want to draw out, and it's important, has a doctor that knows them and knows how to use them because they are complex in terms of getting the right amount, the right drug, the right type. It's not just to take two pills and call me in the morning. Is that an accurate statement? That, that's true. To be honest, my first physician, bless her heart, for diagnosing me in, in 1995, uh, goodness knows, um, did say, here, try this and come back in four months. That's not what you do. No, it's not, it's not so much danger. If you've got an intelligent patient, they will call you and tell you you've got a problem. But ADHD was born ADHD. They don't they, – what they are is their definition of normal. And I say they, I'm talking we. You know, it's, it's not a derogatory yep. term. Um, but they've been there in utero. Every day of their life has been this way. And so and until they get to where they can be, they don't know what's the, what their potential is. Yep. And you have to yep. push them and you have to work with them. You, uh, you don't push in giant leaps. But what I say when someone comes back in and says, this is wonderful, I am great, and my, I look them straight in the face, I've got an intelligent patient, and I say, fine, we go up. And uh, we'll go up a, you know, a small percentage, and you come back and tell me how that is. And then after, um, after we've gotten your drug adjusted, we work through the different forms, say, methylphenidate, and we come up with what you need and what I mean, and you finally realize the blessings, hopefully, of taking it seven days a week from the minute you get up to, you know, mm-hmm. at least late into the evening if possible, then, then what I will look at them and say is, okay, fine, let's change your drug. And because they don't know what amphetamine will do if, if uh, methylphenidate has been the only thing that they've been on. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to insist and jump up and down and say, no, you have to change. No, no, no. I would say gently, let, I, this is a suggestion I would make to you. Here's what other patients have seen. They have seen major differences if you change the drug. Let's work on that. Mm-hmm. Now we know the general range. I, I don't have to start from zero. We don't need another six months or four months. Let's try this. And guess what? Yep. You come back and you tell me what works best for you, and I will write that prescription for you. What works best for you, I think. So, number one, there, there's a lot of things out there. I think that people confuse as ADHD. So, if we can, if we can do a control for that, and we know it's ADHD, and you've got a doctor that understands the medications and works with a person over a period of time, both in terms of the dosage, the right amount, the right drug, etc., and really works with them, because I think that this is really, really pretty complicated. And I know Dr. Bailey is a coach. I spend a lot of time educating my the people that come to me, and I say, have an expectation that you're going to have to change your meds 12 to 15 times just to get them to work with the doctors to get that right. But let's say that you've worked with somebody over a period of time, and you get them into that sweet spot. And if you can't answer this, I totally respect it. But in terms of effectiveness compared to like maybe an antibiotic or some type of other drug, 
can you speak to how effective it is in treating ADHD to maybe other drugs like that? Is it like 50% or is it like 90%? Again, if you don't say anything you're not comfortable with, but I'm just kind of curious. What you can no, I, I, I think I get what you're talking about, and, and two, two different issues here. One is that with one or the other of the stimulants, with, with either stimulant of the two main kinds, you can get 85% yep. of properly diagnosed ADHD patients to a really good place. And, you can, and so that leaves you 15% of people that you haven't treated. So uh, then you change the drug, and, you, and since the other drug will get 85% of people, there's very few people that fall in that 1% or 2% gap that's not in, uh, included in both of those. And a lot of times those are the ones that are erroneously diagnosed or have a major other problem that, that you have overlooked, such as bipolar disorder that needs to be treated along with the ADHD before the ADHD can be treated. That's a subject for another whole discussion someday. Absolutely. But, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, but 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 they, these are these are nine on the scale of ten drugs. They are they are you you there's very few drugs in the drugstore that with between two drugs and a category you can get ninety eight percent of people treated. Nah, that's that's a wonderful drug. Well, so the the one thing I want to emphasize with our with our listening audience is if you're talking about ninety eight percent, I I really want to emphasize over what I talking to all the experts. It's going to take some work to figure that out, and you need somebody who's knowledgeable, and you need to have some feedback, and you need to go deal somebody with yourself who's had some experience. So um, clearly, we've got to have you back for a series of shows because we only scratch the iceberg, tip of the iceberg, a lot of things that we need to cover. But based off of what we covered, any final thoughts or comments before we close out today? Well, I'll tell you one thing. You're, you as a coach, uh, you, you, have you ever talked to a physician who's ever hired an ADHD coach in their office? I will tell you that I believe in ADHD coaching because I, I, am, I had a, a American coach graduate that I hired, and we, we worked together in the office for uh, several years. And, mm-hmm. and it, in combining those two things with the medication, uh, combining the coach and counseling if necessary, because as you I know, they're not the same thing. Um, there's just so much you can do if you if you spend the time to educate yourself and you find a physician who cares about you and listens to you. If you get a feeling that the physician, it's kind of when you visit a church. You know, if you're you're uncomfortable the first time, you know, come back. I mean, you don't know where the bathroom yep. is and so forth. You know, come back a couple of times. If you don't feel comfortable after the second or third time, go somewhere else. And the same thing's true with doctors for your ADHD. If you if you think the person doesn't know what they're doing after in the second time, move along. But stick with them. Tell them that you're not pushing to have immediate quote unquote cure. That you will stick with them. You will hang in there, and you have a life, and you want a life, and keep on slowly working to this, and you will get there. Absolutely. I think uh, I like how Ned Hollow has said it before us: is that if you if you have ADHD and you get the proper diagnosis and the proper treatment, which includes a multimodal approach, you can live a very, very fulfilling life. And it, it, it doesn't come without a little bit of work, but, I mean, there definitely is promise. So uh, with that, Dr. Bailey, uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a blast. Everyone, I hope that you've enjoyed this edition. Uh, we're going to be anxious to get Dr. Bailey on another couple uh, shows to kind of get into this even a little bit more further. Uh, if you're listening to this and you agree uh, with me that he's that articulate and you want to get him for a speaking engagement, reach out to us at attention at attentiontalkradio.com. With that, hope you enjoyed the show. Take care.